0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: Welcome to It's Not a Crisis. I am your host, Doran Wallach. I'm an entrepreneur, a mother of two, a wife, and a 40 something trying to figure out what is happening in this decade. Why is no one talking about it? I created this podcast to help women in their late 30s and 40s to figure out what is going on in our mind, body, soul, and life. We may laugh, we may cry, we may get frustrated, but most importantly, my goal is to make this next chapter of life positive. I'm also full of my own questions and I'm here to go on this journey with you. So let's do it together. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another show. I'm so excited because this is my first day back to recording after taking off the month of January for my move, which is still ongoing. Uh, I moved into a rental house and I may buy it because I don't think I am going to move again. It is on the market, but we have a long rental, so we'll see what happens with that. Anyway, I am so excited to be back to recording. I really missed it. And uh, I first wanted to say that I'm loving all of your uh, reactions to stories and your interaction with me. So keep those coming. Second of all, I on my plans for the upcoming uh, months is starting a probably bi-weekly group of women. I have emails from those of you that are interested in this. We will talk about relevant issues to our late 30s and 40s. I'm trying to find the best way to do that online. So if you are interested, please send me an email to itsnotacrisis@gmail. at gmail. A few people have done it already. I'm not sure if I have to limit it. So uh, I'll be in touch more with that information. Also, I would love to hear from you on topics that you're interested in. If you could email me also on those. Uh, don't DM me cuz sometimes I get a lot of DMs and they get lost. So again, it's it's not a crisis at gmail.com. I'm here to help you. So if you have topics of interest, I want to find the best people for those topics. So, uh, you know, it's helpful for me to hear from you. Today's podcast is on finance and money for women in their late 30s and 40s. I will be honest with you, I did not know what direction to go on in this podcast because there is so much to cover. So, I started and I can always have Jen back. I have some other financial um, advisors that I'd like to have on here. But what I felt was a relevant topic was finances and relationships and the topics that come up. So we talk a little bit about that, whether you're married or you're living with a roommate or you're single um, and somebody else is involved in your finances or divorce, whatever it is, relationships and finances, uh, there, there's just always issues. And a lot of this stems from childhood or other psychological issues, which is really interesting to me. Uh, I learned on this podcast today, and you'll hear about it, that there are financial therapists. Did you know this? I mean, that's genius. I will be calling one very soon (laughs) because I think every couple should have a financial therapist. Uh, I just think that the way we were raised is different from each other most of the time. And the way that we look at money is very different. So we get a little bit into that and uh, a little bit about how you can you know, what you can do with your money at this age. But I promise you that I will come back with some more on this because there was just so much we could have covered. So my guest today is Jen Yuen. Now, her name is Jen Yuen, genuine, And I will tell you, she really is genuine. And uh, I know that's corny, but you'll hear us talking about it. It's just such a great name. She started the brilliant website, The Pledgettes, which has... So much amazing information for our demographic of women. As a mentor and advocate, founder Jen Ewan heard from many women that they will start investing someday or that growing up, they were taught to save their money. They weren't taught the benefit of investing in themselves or investing on their own. Jen also has saw that women who are confident and clear with their financial goals had these right time, right place conversations. Jen had a number of those conversations, and she saw the impact it made on her life. Combine these conversations with binge-watching The Handmaid's Tale, researching the gender income and, more important, wealth gaps, and some infuriating realizations and personal experiences, Jen knew she had to do something. Jen built the Pledgetts to democratize access to financial experts build a supportive place for women to evolve their relationship with money and create connections so no woman is going after her personal financial goals alone. Jen and her husband have clear financial goals, which include a diverse portfolio of investment property, retirement accounts, and businesses, all while living a minimalist but comfortable lifestyle, including traveling the country in an Airstream RV. Oh my God, I wish I had talked to her about that because I'm dying to do that. So... Jen is wonderful, and uh, what she's doing is incredible. And uh, before I introduce Jen, I just wanted to say that after we finished recording, we were having a conversation with our editor, Adi, who is a lot younger than us. And he was saying that, you know, he and his wife really do a lot of things together, like food shopping and this and that. And I think that the younger generations are much better prepared for finances and for sharing finances than we were. I think it's one of these other topics for our generation that's just very confusing. So, so I will stop rambling now and we will get on to the interview. Welcome, Genuine, to the show. I First of all, I emailed Jen to make, I always make sure I'm saying my guest names right, because no one ever says Doran right. I always tell people it's like push the door in. And um, Jen wrote me back and said, it's like genuine. So Jen, you could have had a worse name. How has that kept you real? I love this. I love
0: having the name genuine and I was Jennifer at birth. So my parents don't say that they didn't plan it, but you know, I'm happy to have it because I just have to be myself because I can be a genuinely good person, a genuinely bad person. There are other names that I feel like would be a lot of pressure to live up to. Like I couldn't pull off precious. I mean, I'm I'm just not that, I don't know. I'm I'm not a precious person. Um, But genuine, I I can own that all day, every day.
1: That's awesome. Well, I didn't even welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I went right into your name. But we talked a long time ago. I feel like so much has happened since we had our first pre-interview chat. But you are somebody I've wanted to get on here for so long because my listeners have reached out to me about finances. And um, it's a Really common topic that comes up. So it's great that you're here, and I, I just want to start by t- tell me how did you decide to start the pledgeets? W- what inspired you to do this? So. I mean, part of it was
0: I was binge watching The Handmaid's Tale, which is not a binge watching show recommendation.
1: Oh, my God. I binge watched it alone (laughs) with my husband in the summers. I used to he'd be in the city working and I'd go out to our beach house and I'd be alone watching it. And it's just I'd be with the kids, but I'd scare the living daylights out of myself. I had anxiety all the time, but who doesn't binge watch that show?
0: I know my husband would come (laughs) home from work and he would be like, you need to slow down. (laughs)
1: You should should not watch three episodes in a row. (laughs) Not good for your mental health at all. It's not good for your mental health.
0: (laughs) But during that time, so I'm binge watching The Handmaid's Tale. There's a lot of talk about the gender income gap, which led me down the rabbit hole of the gender wealth gap. So male version of you will have three times as much wealth at retirement age because men make more money. They take fewer breaks in their career and they invest earlier and more often. And so it was at this time in my life and professional life that I was figuring out what is my real purpose here? What, How can I make a difference in a, a meaningful way? And so watching The Handmaid's Tale, they turn off women's credit cards and all the money goes to the men. And, and, you know, you're watching that show and you're like, this could like really legitimately happen. And I just kept asking myself of like, well, what if women were in charge in this show? And what if women took more prominent roles in our community and our society and just how much money is at the root of so much it's at the root of not only our economy, but our politics and our professional life and poverty and food and housing and like everything just comes back to money. And so I asked myself, what could I do? Well, I have positive open money conversations with women in my life. And I know that there are more that want to be involved and included in those conversations. So I built this community, the Pledgeettes to kind of bring those two circles together. So we're a community for women to talk about money. And I don't work in the finance industry, which is really cool. So each week I bring in a different expert to talk about their favorite money topics. So we're getting diverse voices, diverse perspectives. Uh, there's a million ways to build wealth and we want to do it in a way that's both emotionally and financially fitting for you and your goals. And so we talk about funeral planning and tax planning and Financial planning and budgeting, and values and goals and money mindset, and on and on and on because there's an infinite number of money topics.
1: There really are, and I think well, first of all, just going back to what you're saying about um, *Handmaid's Tale*, how genius somebody needs to come out with a version of that show where the women are in charge. How that would be so amazing! <laughs> just a total reverse. Of that show, I wouldn't have any anxiety watching. It. I know, right? <laughs> I, 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 well, you know, you might still have a little if it's the same director producer. <laughs> um. But thank you for saying that because there are, as I was prepping for this interview, I was thinking to myself, there are so many directions that we could go in for this podcast. And, and I really hope I, I can have you come back because there were so many ideas in my head of where I wanted it to go. And, and I think looking at my demographic, the majority of my demographic are married women with children. However, I do have a lot of women who are single, never been married or divorced. There's definitely a mix, but I feel personally, uh, and I always put a little bit of myself into my podcast because I am learning all of this too, and, and that's what sparks my interest for each of the shows, as well as my listeners asking me for a topic to be covered, which I love. I feel there is a lot of issues with money and relationships. I I just I I feel like it doesn't matter how much money you have how little money you have, uh, or what type of relationship you have. Money is just always a source of stress. I, for one in my own marriage, we, we don't fight that much, but if we do fight, it has to do with money. And, uh, I mean, well, that's not true. I mean, we fight about other things, but, but but that's probably a big source of stress. And, you know, I got married very young, Uh, I, I was 25. I went immediately to grad school and then decided to change my career. And then we moved to London and I never really was able to pocket any money that was quote unquote mine. And then I was a stay at home mom. So, you know, my husband is really wonderful. He always says, it's our money, Doran. It's not your money. It's not my money. It's our money. And you know, what we do with it is our decision. However, <laughs> being a very driven and entrepreneurial woman, it bothers me that I don't have significant savings and, and I'm not contributing in the way I'd like to to my family. And I, I, I do know that being a mom is a contribution. I certainly know that. And those years that I took off from working to be with my kids were extraordinarily hard. And I do think that women should be paid for that. Um, but that's another topic. (laughs) Well, I'll come back to talk about just that. Oh, good, good, good. (laughs) I'd love to ask you, I'd love to start out asking you, what what is your advice to give to couples to try to understand the best practice to talk about money in a way that both parties are educated and, you know, they understand their assets. They understand what they have. You know, I- I'll tell you one thing and I'm sure there are other women that can relate to this. So right now we're moving into a house and it's a rental house, but we're doing stuff to it. Cause there's, there's a strong chance at some point we may buy it and we're not, we're you not know, doing stuff, but I'm trying to make it a home and buying some furniture and stuff like that. But when my husband gets the credit card bill, and he kind of has his whole tone changes, and he's like, "Hey, can we talk for a minute?" And I'm like, "Oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god!" It's the credit card topic. It's the credit card question, and I look at him, and I'm like, "What?" It angers me because I, I, I suddenly as a woman, I feel that I'm teeny, 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 tiny. And here's my big husband telling me that I'm spending too much money, uh, even when I'm really not. And I'm, and and I think men also don't understand the cost of things. Like they're like, you spent how much at the supermarket? And you're like, listen, how about you do the food shopping? And then you tell me if you think (laughs) I'm spending too much at the supermarket. So anyway, that was a long way of asking you, what is your advice for couples?
0: Well, the, at the end there, it reminded me, uh, Bill Gates was on Ellen a couple years ago and uh, had to guess the price of grocery items. And he thought a large container of Tide Pods was $4. And, oh my God. You know, like uh, TGI Friday's artichoke dip was $20. Like it was just so far off on both scales. Like he has n- no idea the price of-
1: groceries the other source of stress really big source of stress in couples i actually want to do a whole show on this is if you're renovating a home or decorating a home because if they don't have a concept of what a sofa costs or what you know just buying drapery panels from wayfair that aren't that expensive which is a lot of stuff that i've been doing they they just don't they don't get it not all men and not all you know people but a lot so anyway that's my two cents.
0: Well, I think first and foremost, I started the pledge ads with the idea of helping early professional women at their first paycheck. Let's start talking about compound interest and time in the market beats timing the market and all of these financial concepts that we know to be true. And I had a bunch of women in their thirties and forties, raise their hand and say like, whoa, well, well, wait, wait, we didn't get this at 20 and we need this now. So we really shifted the pledge ads community to serve women in their thirties and forties And, and to be quite honest, they were ready for it more than early professional women. Now we still do stuff for early professional women, but I love working with women in their thirties and forties. I think they're, they're more confident in where they're at in their financial journey. And they're, they're ready to take an active role in their finances. And that's the biggest piece of advice is take an active role in your finances UBS did a survey asking women about their finances and 94% of the survey response wished they had taken a more active role in their finances and encourage other women to do that. 70% of widows fire their financial advisor. You know, they feel like they haven't been heard or they weren't a part of those conversations. So, you know, and 90% of women will be solely responsible for their finances at some point in their life before they get married after their partner dies. There's so many statistics as I just keep vomiting them out of my mouth on why women should take an active role in their finances. Yeah, I was gonna
1: ask you, what does that mean? What does it mean to take an active role in your finances? Yes, so I
0: spent one day last month just brainstorming different ways you can take an active role and quickly came up with 43 different ways. And uh, it starts with a conversation. And I think like with any other topic, that may be a little taboo or sensitive. It's like peeling back the layers of an onion. And the, the more conversations you have, you get to the good stuff in the inside of the onion. And the more practice that you have, um, the more you can anticipate responses and, and understand, you know, what may be a trigger, what might be an emotional response. So how can you start? Just ask your partner to have a five minute conversation about money. Set a timer, keep it at five minutes, and just ask some surface level conversations. What's your first memory of money? What would you do if you won the lottery? These are all safe outer onion layer questions that you can have a positive money conversation. Instead of waiting till that moment when, uh-oh, the credit card bill's here and I know my partner's going to be upset or frustrated. You know, or um having to make very big financial decisions. If you practice and have these conversations more often, then the bigger stuff, the tougher stuff is gonna be even easier. Can I talk about my partner and our conversations and how of that's course, kind of, of course.
1: And then I have something to add to that about my <laughs> partner. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. So I didn't meet
0: my husband until uh, mid-thirties, early mid-30s, and I was I was so confident doing my money my way on my own and when I entered a partnership I I didn't want to share it all. It was my money. And just in my head I always thought like I had this perfect system for how I was going to you know have share my finances but keep some for myself with my future partner and when I met my now husband he didn't feel the same way. <laughs> so we had to start having some money conversations. And at first, you know, I was very protective of my money. And he, he asked me, he's like, why are, why are you so protective of your money? And that question really stopped me in my tracks of thinking about my money more than just the financial side, but this emotion side, this attachment to my money. Five and a half years later, we're still having money conversations. We call ours state of our union and we go through and we talk about where's all the money? How are we spending our time? Does it align to our goals and values? And then we each get to add whatever we want to the agenda. Yeah, there's an agenda because I geek out that way. But it's with these practice of these conversations that we keep getting better. So the, you know, the big money moves don't feel as stressful or there's not as much pressure because we practice talking about money almost every day.
1: I think that is so wonderful. And I think that it took me a few years to kind of get into this conversation too. I think primarily because numbers have always scared the hell out of me from, I mean, I I still have reoccurring dreams about math class or I have a reoccurring dream that I never took math. Like I never went and I didn't know where the classroom was and a whole year went by and I was trying to see if I could get away with you know, never having gone to math. So numbers have always scared me. Funny that I met, I, met, I married a guy in finance, which is good because at least he knows what's going on. But with that being said, it's also really intimidating to me. And so I think those conversations are scary for me because I don't always know what to say and never feel like I do know more than he does. And, and second of all, we've had these conversations. My husband is the type of person who you know, stresses, but is like, I'm like, so give me a budget. Let's, let's, let's make a budget. You know, what, where, where are we going to spend this or that? I I've spent time showing him where I spend money and he's like, ah, you know, I mean, let's just try to spend less. And so that doesn't work for me. I'm very much of a person who needs to be, I need structure. Like you tell me that we're going to spend X amount, then I will do that. But um, we're we're very different in that way. So that's a conversation that we've had over and over. We've been together for 22 years and married almost 18 years. So I don't know how that's going to change. Sometimes you realize after almost 18 years of marriage that things aren't going to change. (laughs) So you do the best you can. I will say that one of our
0: members has been married for 13 years and her and her partner have always been in debt. They've always had some sort of credit card debt, student loan debt. And she has been having these conversations for six months now. And she said they sucked in the beginning, like, because every for 13 years, every money conversation was a stressful conversation, but now they're getting better at, at instead of just in the moments of stress, they're talking about money, they're actually having fun with it. And they're looking forward to these conversations. They schedule them every month. They talk about it. They now are debt-free aside from their mortgage.
1: That's great.
0: And you know they're celebrating and they're having fun and they're talking about money. So it, like, it can change But if you keep going, it's like the definition of insanity, like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, like change the way you're having the conversation. So instead of coming into the conversation and being like, we have to talk about the house renovation budget, just have a conversation around like, what was your first money memory? What money lessons did you learn from your parents? So that it's not about a specific challenge or problem or opportunity that's in front of you today but you're taking it back to like a place that's easier to talk about. Like it's easier to talk about our past than it is today. Like in one of our budget conversations, um, there's a woman who was 30 and everybody else was at least a few years, 10 years older than her. And she just asked like, okay, this is how much money I'm making right now. This is how much money I have in savings. This is how much I have in debt. Where were you guys at, at age 30? And It was a small group discussion of six women. Everybody went around the room and shared their exact numbers of where they were at or, you know, their estimates to the best of their memory of where they were at at age 30, because it's easier to talk about the past. And that was so valuable and helpful to this 30 year old woman. And I think it was just really powerful to not have secrets like secrets, hold power that benefit companies, they benefit A person in a relationship that has more power or control. But when we can just share secrets and share our experiences, the the power dynamic shifts.
1: I love that. So 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 the first things first is to almost talk about the psychological component to money and and how it affected you to try to understand each other better, which every couple should do anyway that i think that's such wonderful advice you know someone recently told me i don't know if it was it was well you know i have my own business so i don't know if it was my accountant or somebody else but they said you know you should know every account that you have you should have access to any of your investments you should know all of that as a woman if your husband is the one that handles that. in a lot of relationships the woman handles it or you know might be same sex relationships so but in in my relationship typically he handles most of that. And so I I did go up to him one day and said, "Hey, I have no there are accounts I don't really know where they are." Uh and and this wasn't necessarily like hey, you're hiding anything from me because he's not like that whatsoever. It was more like, what if something happens to you? And I don't know where the hell everything is, you know? And that's, as a woman, that's that's something that is important for me to know or anybody to know. So what advice, what are the types of things that we should know about as a joint union, I should say?
0: Yes, I totally think that you need to know where all your money is and have access to it a great estate planning attorney that I know in LA, Jayla, who's on my own financial. She dropped this knowledge bomb at a pledge Jets event that said, if you have anything in your name, a bank account, a car, a house, you have an estate. And in my mind, I always thought estate planning and having an estate was for rich old people. But when Jayla said it that way, I was like, no, that's so true. And if you Have intentions for how you want your your money and your assets to be used once you're gone, once you're incapacitated, or for multiple reasons, like having your estate plan with a living trust, a will, and different legal tools and your beneficiaries all lined up. Then your family's going to get more money. They're going to stay at a probate court and it's going to be a smoother transition. So be kind to your loved ones and do something for after they pass but while we're here yeah you got to know where it all is you got to make those decisions now i do know that some couples have you know separate accounts whether they're saving for separate goals or they use their bonus money differently or whatever do what makes sense for you but you should know where all the money is
1: and someone gave me great advice that um you should keep in a safe if you can uh, passwords to all accounts and contacts to anybody who's involved in your estate planning, lawyers, bank accountants, if you have any investments. Uh, so, we actually did that a few years ago, which uh, just put me at ease in general just to know that I had that.
0: Yeah. I mean, how many TV shows now, even like show, you know, someone passes away and they can't get in? to access anything.
1: Yeah. I feel stupid saying that I didn't even know this before, but I think I, I was doing me and he was doing him, you know, <laughs> I I'm in charge of a lot of other things, but I think that is, that's wonderful advice. And I love what you said about estate planning. Cause it, it, it isn't just for wealthy people. It's for anybody who owns anything. Uh, and it's, it, and it's super important. We, we did an estate plan and you know, we, we did our wills and, um, you know, it wasn't fun doing that, but, but you do feel better once that's done, just knowing that there is some plan in place. So, and going back to something you just said, there are people like me where I I do have some savings. I, I have some money for my business, which is a lot of money in and a lot of money out. So super stressful, but here I am, I'm 43 and I'm, I'm at this point where I would like to have something of my own saved whether it's just for buying things that men don't understand like an eyebrow wax <laughs> or actually when I first got married my mom was like let me give you two pieces of advice you should always have a second bathroom if you don't have a bathroom big enough for the two of you for a happy marriage and you should have your own credit card to put things on there that men just don't get hair color or Waxing, shopping. There are some things that men don't understand, um, which I think was great advice. So, uh, anyway, so you know, you're in your 40s now. You want to have your own money. Maybe you just stayed home with children for years, uh, and you missed out on those years of earning your own money. What is your advice? How do you even begin to do that? I, I don't know. Is there? Can you do that without having a job? With something very little that you had saved in the past
0: wholeheartedly. And I think that's such great advice from your mom. And it wasn't until 1974 with the fair credit act that women could get their own credit card without a male co-signer. I
1: just heard that. I just, I don't know where I heard it. I was blown away by that. Yeah. nineteen. That wasn't that long ago. (laughs) My mom was alive
0: then. Like, yeah, that's, (laughs) crazy. So, yeah, for women in their 40s, I think just like anything else in any partnership, we've got joint goals, we've got individual goals. So, one retirement accounts can be in one person's name. So you kind of mentioned if you have a job. So having a 401k at your job, getting that company match is awesome. That's free money. That that's factored into your compensation package. So, Talk to your HR benefits person. Make sure you understand it. Make sure you're participating in that. And there are other types of retirement accounts too, like you know having a, a Roth IRA as one, um, or just having a brokerage account that you get to invest in different ways. Or my husband and I, we have different assets that are in different names. So you know, have those goals and figure out what you want to do. And have those conversations to make it happen. It's a great idea to have retirement accounts and individual names and, you know, put each other as the beneficiary if that's your wishes when you go, but you should, you should do it. Like, you know, if you, Doran, like your goal was to have first a jewelry business and then a podcast and you talk to your partner and you guys figured out how to make that happen and you did that together, but then it's also your own. This is the same way. Or if you are single, know that you will not be able to retire with a 0.01% interest rate in a savings account that most global banks offer. You are going to have to take some risk. You are going to have to make some investments if you want to retire, which I believe we all want to retire. I would love to retire earlier than later. Anybody with financial literacy learned it. Nobody was born with it. So I also married somebody who works in finance and accounting. And so he does have more knowledge than me on very specific things. And when we divide and conquer, he does more very specific things than I do, but I still learn every day. I still participate in the decisions. I still ask questions. I still have my own retirement accounts. I think it's money is something that it's like, it's, Doesn't seem fun to learn, but when you do it in the right way and with the right people, it really is a lot of fun, but it's easy to just divide and conquer and to say like, okay, well, you have more interest or more experience or more education around money. So like you do it all. I would just caution against that. Like, again, I'm a broken record, but take an active role in your finances. Know where the money is.
1: So I, I said to my husband a few weeks ago, I said, I have some savings and I want to invest it. I don't want it to just sit there. So I'm wondering, like, who do I go to? I want to find someone who, you know, it's not a lot of money, but that can invest in smaller amounts, somebody who doesn't do what you do. He's like, well, honey, that's what I do. So why don't you have me invest it? And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want you involved. He's like, well, I don't, that, that would be like, that would be like me buying jewelry from somebody else and having them make it and not coming to you for it. And I said, well, I mean, I wouldn't take offense to that. I think, <laughs> I mean, it depends. I mean, who are you buying jewelry for? That's, that's a bigger question in this. <laughs> there you go. Um, but truly there's this very independent side of me and this part of me that, that, that kind of is hard on myself for not making this money before I got married, but, but how could I, I was so young. So now that I have some savings for my business, I do want to kind of do what I want with it and and his whole thing, and he's always been so wonderful and saying it's our money blah, blah blah blah. He's like, I should be the one to invest it for you and and he got really offended, He's trying to be honest yeah, it's it's important it's I think
0: there's there's a lot of different roles in every situation, but in this, if you were to have your own investment account and he was your advisor, great, ultimately you're the final decision maker. So you guys could talk about it, but you could say, all right, I hear you, but I want to try it this way. And you know, if that's your account, you're the ultimate decision maker and you get that say, then maybe that's a good compromise. And maybe you take his advice, but you also go read a book, read different blogs, have different conversations with different people, like find
1: what works for you guys. And you had mentioned um, at one point, you said, uh, ladies, the male version of you will have three times as much wealth at retirement because they make more money, take fewer breaks in their career, and invest earlier and more often, and you can change these statistics. Yeah. So it, it is is that is this what you're saying, or what, do you have uh, more to add to how we can change those statistics, especially for the, my listeners who are in their you know late 30s and a little bit younger?
0: Yeah. I mean, at any age, you. Any age, to yeah. Yeah, you get to change these statistics because you get to, again, take an active role in your finances. You get to go invest in yourself. Warren Buffett, there's just an article I read on about him this week. And he said the single greatest investment that he made was in himself. And it was to develop communication skills. And I wholeheartedly believe that. So what does an investment in yourself look like, whether you're single or married, wherever you're at, if you have goals of building wealth, you know, invest in building your financial A team, invest in financial literacy by reading books, listening to podcasts, taking courses, hiring professionals to help you. It looks like opening up your own brokerage account and learning about investing in the stock market. It's opening your mind to all these different options. If you don't like the stock market, I don't really love the stock market, especially with the volatility that's been happening lately, like I like being on the sidelines watching this whole GameStop um, situation go down. There's other ways to invest. You can invest in businesses. You can invest in real estate. You can invest in cryptocurrency, precious metals, single member LLCs. There's all these different ways that you get to invest. So find something that fits your
1: goals, your values, and feels good emotionally and financially. Great. Um, I a listener had a question, and she said, how do we build our own wealth in our 40s? And she had mentioned passive income. So what are your thoughts on passive income? Ugh, I don't love all these
0: financial terms. Right. I was going to say, and explain <laughs> what that is, because
1: I had to Google it.
0: Okay. So there's passive income, active income. There is uh, earned income and unearned income. And so passive income, earned income are synonyms. And they basically is, it's your money making more money, essentially. So that's um, not trading your time for dollars, which would be earned income and active income. So going out and getting a job is active income. Having a business is active income. And then this idea of passive income. I don't like calling it passive income because I don't feel like anything is like passive. Maybe investing in some stock market can be passive if you're just gonna put it in the market and pull it out 30 years later. But you know, I, I own real estate and I like to call it recurring income. So every month my um tenant pays rent. So that's recurring income to me. Some people consider that passive income. But it's just this idea of you have to leverage your money to make more money. And that's really the key to building wealth. Because if we constantly just look at our earned income, we get a job, we get a paycheck. And then there's lifestyle creep of every time we get a raise, we get a nicer apartment, we buy a nicer car, we spend more money on our clothes or whatever else that we want to celebrate with. But you have to use your money to make more money. and there's so many options of doing that. Millionaires on average have seven revenue streams. So I would start by looking at how is money coming in? If it's just one paycheck from one company, how can you expand that number? And I don't think everybody needs to have seven revenue streams, but this is a good lesson that diversify your portfolio to build wealth. Think outside of the traditional ways of building wealth and take stock in what you're doing now and what your goals are and take some risks and make some money moves to make that happen.
1: I think freelancers, um, that it's tough. I I almost consider myself well now. um, I'm changing my business model. I'm announcing it soon, but I'm just going to be doing custom work and no longer doing retail. But I think freelancers, it's very unpredictable when the money is going to come in and when it's going to go out, and it's a tough. Tough business unless you have a dual income, or you know you have enough money saved to be a freelancer, or you're doing extraordinarily well. I think there's there's that aspect of the um, it's not consistent money or income coming in. Do you have advice for somebody in that position?
0: So last year I did a survey in this group of marketers and found that those who had a full time job and were were side hustling as a freelancer, we're charging half the rate that marketing professionals that were full-time freelancers. I support side hustles so hard, again, getting more revenue streams. However, if you're just going to look at it as a little extra cash coming in and you're going to cut the market in half by the rate, you're doing a strong disservice to female entrepreneurs, female business owners, solopreneurs, freelancers, consultants, whatever you want to talk, whatever you want to call them, but you're coming in and, and really destroying the market for them. So I think there needs to be more transparency around what's the going rate and whether you're doing it as a side hustle or a full-time self-employed person, let's have some open conversations So that there are more opportunities for women to become business owners, solopreneurs, self-employed, full-time freelancers, and they have these better opportunities. You know, having inconsistent income, I've freelanced now since 2017, it does pose extra intentionality and extra scrutiny on your money, but it's 100% possible. And I, I think something that freelancing does is you have to be more intentional with your money. You have to take a more active role because every two weeks there's not money just dropping in your account. And so I think there's really great lessons in, in becoming a business owner and in becoming a freelancer. And it might open your eyes for me, it really shifted this mindset instead of finding different clients and trading my time for dollars, how do I look at those different revenue streams? And so I kind of have this sliding scale of all the different freelance and self-employment work that I do. And, And on one end of the scale is the money. And on the other end of the scale is that satisfaction purpose. And all of my little opportunities fall somewhere on this scale. And then I have to make a balance of, you know, how much am I doing on the left side of the scale, that's all about money. And how much am I doing on the right side of the scale? It's all about purpose and, and how do I get more purpose driven
1: work and, and hopefully the money will come. I love that. Do you have within the pledge do you have resources for women in, in following up with what you just said? Are there people that can look at you as a freelancer uh, with your experience what you're worth um, and advise on what you should be charging for your time. And, and second part of that is I would assume you also have resources for financial planning for women by women. I don't want to, I don't want to work with a man for some reason. (laughs) Um, I want to talk to a woman. I would, I would love to talk to a mother. (laughs) Do you have these resources in your organization?
0: Yeah. And so one, because it's a community, our members share their experiences. So I I don't call it giving advice. Blanketed financial advice drives me nuts. Like be completely debt-free. I don't think that's true for everyone. I don't think that's a smart strategy for everyone or move all your money to this type of account. That's not true. Everybody is so unique and on their own personal financial journey. So take all that blanketed advice, talk to the financial professionals on your financial a team, develop a plan that is custom and personal to you. And along the way, learn from each other and share with each other, share experiences, ask questions, and that's incredibly powerful. So yes to both. When we have incredible members that are so willing to share their experience. Um, We have a lot of self-employed women um, and that's super powerful to hear these different experiences. And everyone's building wealth and doing it a different way. And then secondly, with uh, every week, we bring in a different expert to talk about their favorite financial, uh, their favorite money topics. So last year we had 10 financial advisors, three financial therapists. What's a financial therapist? We should have talked about this when we were talking about (laughs) relationships. So financial therapists, they are awesome. If you want to bring a financial therapist into your conversations with your partner Totally recommend it. This one. financial oh therapist my God. I, was, I was talking to last week. She's like, you, you know, like um, you see those couples at Costco and, and one person's putting like everything in the cart. And then the other one is like secretly taking everything out of the cart of like, oh, this is cool. Oh, this is cool. We can't afford this. We don't need that. And that's it's abundant and scarcity mindset. So, a financial therapist is someone who could be on your financial aid team, help you
1: facilitate better money conversations with your partner. I want the name immediately of that person. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, can I, just just on what you just said, can anyone who's listening relate to this with men? I, they will get so annoyed that you spent a certain amount of money on something so dumb, and yet they will they will go out and want to buy like the most expensive. Electronic or drill or this or that, and and totally justify the cost of those things. But it, when it comes down to like you you went to Dunkin' Donuts today. I mean, don't we have breakfast at home? <laughs> I, I it, it blows my mind. <laughs> I'm sure someone out there can relate to what I'm saying. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh, so many. I can relate to it. I mean, Target is therapy for me in a lot of ways, and for um, everyone. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, so I know, like, I know my husband's going to see this target charge. I'm grateful that he doesn't call me out on it every single time I go, but I know it annoys him. And, you know, I think we've gotten to this place where it's like, I don't judge all his Amazon purchases. He doesn't judge all my target purchases, but
1: it wasn't always that way. <laughs> right? I, I will tell you the first I always tell people the first year of marriage is is so hard because of this, because you're used to having your own money and you're used to not answering to someone. And then you come together with somebody and all of a sudden somebody's questioning you and you're like, excuse me, I did this on my own before you. But I remember my first, it had to have been my first month of marriage and the credit card bill came and Ty said, okay, the credit card bill's here. Um, Let's sit down and go through each charge. And I'd like to know what everything is and i looked him in the eyes i didn't even look down at the bill i looked him in the eyes i said if you want to stay married to me for a very long time we are not going to do this every month was <laughs> like we are if if there's something that i spend money on that is a lot of money i will ask you first i was like but if it's x amount and lower we are not going to sit down and do this every month, and and he heard me loud and clear. So I think the only time these conversations come up is when there, you know, are a lot of charges going on, and which usually has to do with something situational, like a move, yeah. or you know, whatever else, getting the kids ready for school in the beginning of the year, or right? Camp or blah blah blah. So, guys, there is a financial. Therapist out there. <laughs> <laughs> and not I think I'll, about you, but I'm calling tomorrow. <laughs> uh,
0: what's so cool is the Pludgets has opened up my eyes to how many different types of financial professionals are out there. Like we know certified financial planners, they help you with the long-range goals and a lot of big picture stuff. There are also BFAs, behavioral financial analysts that will really work with you on. Why are you making these purchases? Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit more about the emotional side of money. There's daily money managers that will help you schedule out paying your bills and
1: understanding your budget. There's there's
0: so many. Oh, this is types. amazing. I
1: didn't even know this existed. So, is all of this and just wrapping up, um, is all of this available somewhere on your site? And how do people find this information? How do they find you?
0: Check out the You can see all the events that we have coming up. Members get access to the events included in their membership, as well as replays, webinars on demand of past events, which is super powerful. So we have one on how to hire a financial professional that goes through a lot of the different types and titles of financial professionals. We're talking about this every week in our community, or, you know, you can attend a pledge event a la carte. You can purchase a ticket to just one of our upcoming events. And we've got some really good ones in the works. You can also just send me an email. I love having positive, healthy, fun money conversations. So if some of those questions that I shared is like outer onion layers of questions that uh, you can start talking about with your partner and partner can be your spouse, significant other, roommate, roommate. friend, Uh, Absolutely, my sister and I have been having a lot more conversations in the past two years about money that has been super valuable. Um, You can find an accountability partner within the pledge ads of another woman that's on her personal financial journey, but go to the for all of this. Reach out if you have questions or you just want to have a money conversation.
1: It's my favorite topic. I could talk if
0: I could talk about money all day every day, I would be a
1: very happy woman. Oh my God. That's great. I never want to talk about it again. <laughs> I, I, I'm, during, I know, but I'm so grateful I for this podcast because I learned so much today. And I'm sure I mean I, I'm gonna get a lot of emails like that was great. Can we expand on or can we talk about more? But th- hopefully they can go to the Pledgeets and learn more. What what is your email?
0: It's Jen at the
1: com. Is that that's J-E-N or J-E-N-N?
0: J-E-N-N.
1: Okay. Well, Jen, thank you very, very, very much for coming here today. I loved this episode. This was a lot of fun and um an extremely informational. And I love that we touched on the, the psychological side of things too, because God, I mean, I really think it has so much to do with money that I I don't even know that how many people realize that. So thank you for, for bringing up that side of it.
0: Yeah. And I think, man, we could talk about that for a day. Like have, have one last thing has, have you ever like, and maybe you've experienced with your partner or someone in your family where they're like, I have the best financial investment for you like you're going to make 10% year over year it's going to be so good it's total passive income and like you think about it and you do the research and you're like oh my gosh i'm going to lose sleep over this oh i'm going to stress eat over this that's not the right financial investment for you like you have to look at like how do i feel emotionally about this how do i feel financially about this and there's so many cool things coming out like ESG funds, which are environmental, social, government, government ordinance funds, where, you know, there's different funds that look at how many women sit on the board of directors of companies and how many women are in leadership positions and how their pay is, how transparent and equal their pay is. There are environmental funds that just invest in sustainable companies. There are all these different ways for you to Feel good about making money and do good with your money while building wealth.
1: Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. Well, I'm excited. I'm going to join because I I, I would love to learn more. Thank you again. And I hope you'll come back because I think we have more to discuss. Oh yeah, we could, yes. I I actually would love to bring one of the um, financial therapists and the behavior, what did you say? There was like a financial behavior there and that'd be great to bring them on the show. So if you have anybody you recommend, um, send them my way, somebody who you think would be great on the air, because I think that that would just be such a great topic to dive into. Maybe I'll bring my husband into the session. (laughs) 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 But truly, you know I as a kid I had things that my dad did that that have made me have issues with money and I um, you know I, th- there really is something to say about it. So anyway, uh, thank you for coming and I hope that we get to talk very soon. I would love it. Thank you so much Doran. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to give yourself permission and know that you are not alone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reviews are always appreciated. And you can reach me by email at it's not a crisis at Gmail, Instagram, it's not a crisis podcast, and please join our Facebook group as well. Until next time, just remember, it's not a crisis.